Hello everyone, welcome to part three of my conversation with Randy Brown. I'm assuming that you've listened to part one and two already, and obviously if you haven't, then you should. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to myself and Randy. Excoriated if you're a male and you like flowers or you use a flower as a symbol, right? So uh, it's very different in Asian cultures. The, the, the plum blossom is a, a, a very powerful symbol of overcoming hardship, mm. of perseverance. And I thought that was really cool. It's like the phoenix. Mm. And um, so I wanted to use that in the name of my school. So I, I, I named my school that for a while, uh, Plum Blossom Traditional Kung Fu Academy. And uh, had a, a guy make this really nice sign and came up with a cool symbol. And, and then when I moved into this new plaza and I built my school out and I was working with the coach I told you about that was heavy into the, the atmosphere mm-hmm. and the, the cultural trappings. So we decorated the, the school to look like a Chinese uh, training hall. And mm-hmm. we had uh, looked beautiful. We had mm-hmm. statues and uh, plants and it, it was uh, very the presentation which I was big on it was like all right I'm big on the you know a clean at least a clean place to train I hate dirty schools <laughs> I can, nothing drives me crazier than when I go into a school and and there's crap all over the mats <laughs> of, of detritus and human <laughs> hair and it's like oh um so <laughs> it smells of bo um not my favorite. So I was big on the it looking good. And one day I'm running class and a guy gets out of his car and he comes up and he's got this pamphlet in his hand and he comes in the door and he stops and he looks around and like he saw a ghost <laughs> and he can't figure out what the hell he just walked into. And I look and he, He's got a flyer, a pamphlet for a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> it's a menu. And he was coming in to place an order. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, wrong place. Uh, <laughs> happy to dish out punches, kicks, and throws here, but not fried rice. <laughs> uh but it shows you like that's the perception that he had seeing the sign. Yeah, he didn't that, read the, the the subtext that said traditional Kung Fu Academy or anything. Uh, um, he saw the emblem and the, the plum blossom and thought it was a Chinese food place. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it and it wasn't until a few years later, I was um, one of my hobbies is hang gliding and I was riding in the car with some other pilots and they had gotten to know me a little while and they started ribbing me about the name of my school. And I was, I was like, I wasn't upset of being made fun of. I was upset that I had known them for years and nobody had ever said anything to me about the perception to everybody else. Like I knew the history and I knew the background of the symbolism, but Americans don't. Yeah, yeah. They're like, what kind of a school are you running? A dance school? You know, it's like, Oh, yeah, that, that was a big flub on my part. Yeah, there's def- there are definitely those things that don't quite translate properly, you know. And, yeah. and, and, and then you, you don't know. The, the one that really, really struck me was, um, 
so the bowing, when I was saying I just decided I'm not going to do this anymore, what that, that was, right. was the guy uh, that I was training with uh, was a, recently like that. It was a Japanese master called Yamada. And, and I'm in Yamada's uh, dojo, and everyone else is gone, and there's just me and him. And he doesn't, he speaks a few words of English. I don't speak any Japanese. And um, so I, I um, we managed to have a little uh, conversation. I bought his book, and I recognized some of what he wrote in it. So I said it in English, and he nodded. And, and then um, I did my best to bow, and then I went to shake his hand just through force of habit. And when I put my hand out towards him, there was that look of, oh, you know what I mean? How do I do yeah. this? You know, and then he's shaking the hand and, and he's kind of, you know, it, it, it's fine. And then later on, I was thinking, you know what? It, it, it is every bit as complicated as the bow. But because I'm immersed in that culture, I don't realize that. So um, if I was to meet someone who was a friend, I might pull them in for a hug after I've done the, the handshake. Right. Uh, um, but I wouldn't do that if it was a business meeting. Right. You know, and, and if you hold your hand in, in a very weak grip, then that's in, uh, not masculine. But if you right. hold for too long or try and pull them in or grip too hard, that's aggressive and dominating. Yeah. <laughs> so there's all these little cultural things that, as Westerners, we understand about that. And I thought, I don't understand the bowing to the same depth. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so th that's why when I, I'm, I'm better going with something that's culturally relevant. The other one was as well, we were at the, on that same trip, we were at um, uh, um, Yamada was being honored by one of the universities and we were there uh, as guests. And uh, a guy came up with some beer, and the guy next to me who spoke Japanese uh, said, um, he's, you know, he, he went to pour some beer in my glass. Said, oh, no, 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 thank you. And then he nudged me and said, accept it, you know, but really bad manners to do what I'd just done, you see. So oh. I went, okay, you know. So, so he pours a little bit in my glass, and that was it. He said, no, you never say no. You just accept I thought, isn't that really weird? And then uh, when I get back from Japan two weeks, three weeks later, I'm at my dad's, and my kids are there and stuff. And we, my dad's ordered pizza for everybody. And then my dad points to the last piece and goes, uh, does anybody want this? And I thought, he's not really saying, does anyone want this? He's saying, I'm about to eat this, but I think it's, it's, I think it's polite to, 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 to offer it to everyone else before I do. So if he'd gone, does anybody want this? And I'd gone, yes, I'll have it and take it away from him. That's a, a major cultural faux pas. But if you weren't from you know, this part of the world, you wouldn't realize that. Right. So, so, so you know, it was that the, the realization that Japan seems weird to me Purely yes. because I'm not, I haven't been raised in that culture. I'm trying to learn it academically, but right. having been immersed in Western culture from the day I'm a yeah. birth, I, I get that. So, from the martial arts, I, I would rather that the shows of um, uh, respect and care for one another and that camaraderie in the dojo, I would rather use culturally appropriate ways to express it because I feel that's likely to be more genuine. You know what I mean? So um, um, then, then maybe doing a motion that the student doesn't comprehend or understand. Yeah, it's funny. Like this, um, let me move my mic. This right here, or you, sometimes you see it like this, but this comes from a rebellion, mm -hmm. uh, a change in dynasty in China. And yet we use it to, to bow in or greet in Chinese martial arts in America now. I mean, even I still question myself on using that um, that as a, a way to a salutation, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, I like it now uh, after COVID because it's a way of greeting each other as martial <laughs> artists without shaking hands. Uh, but yeah, it's it's why are we adopting something that was uh, a sign of revolution in uh, a, a country on the other side of the world hundreds of years ago? Yeah, well, the, the similar one is, um, you know, the, the karate guys with their us. 
You know what I mean? So they use that, that universal word for everything. Us, us, us. Yeah. But um, and, and it was a uh, a guy who's lived in Japan, fluent Japanese speaker, has a Japanese wife, has run businesses in Japan, isn't a Japanese citizen. You know, kind of renews that every so often. And right. we were talking about this this us thing, and he said, uh, he says no, he says don't don't. He says it's 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 it, he says it's 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 a sign of submitting. He says you know, and the over overdoing it, he says is not good. It's not respectful to you or the person that's on the other end okay. of it. You say you know, and but whereas whereas in the West, it's just became it's a universal word. It means yes, I understand. Yeah, um, it's yeah, I acknowledge what you said. In the Brazilian jiu-jitsu circles a lot the last few years. Yeah, I heard about that. That was what one of we, we we chatted before we started recording this because um, we've both been on Stefan Kesting's podcast. But yeah. we, and he did a really interesting YouTube video about um, traditional things that have found their way into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you see. And, and, I, right. and it was really, because from a traditional martial artist, I was like, I agree with pretty much all of this. You know, these the, yeah. the same things. Some of them uh, get the label traditional, but maybe aren't. But, you know, that, that excessive pussing yeah. was one. I thought, oh, well, well, that's interesting to find. It's, it's funny, way to I was it, writing my, my notes to of questions I wanted to ask you today, and I started to write traditional martial art and one of the questions i'm going to ask you and i was like that's not really what i'm trying to ask or say it should be asian martial arts because i was trying to quantify things that you and i had both done in the question i was framing and the uh in similarity just from the region of the world that they come from but what is really tradition i mean western boxing now is tradition or greco-roman wrestling could be called tradition mm -hmm. um but oftentimes, I think a, a miscommunication or mislabeling that we use now is traditional martial arts defines anything that's from uh, karate or, or China, Ch Japan. Uh, they're just traditional martial arts. Like, mm. why? They're, yeah. That, it's strange. Not... But judo is one that, you, by the same category, would, but tends not to fall into that category to the mm. same degree as well. As a re See, I always think that then the next question you've got is, well, who's tradition? Right. What, what, what tradition? So right. um, are, are you talking about what they did from the 1950s onwards or what they did 100 years before that or what they've done yeah. for the last 20 years? Because yeah. within the karate circles, the, 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 the one constant has been change. Yeah. So I, I would argue when people go, I'm keeping this the same because it's traditional. I would say, well, that's not traditional. You know, paradoxically, is like Funakoshi, you know, the father of modern karate, he says uh, the, the world changes, times change, and martial arts must change too. Right. And, and, and Chibana likened karate to a pond. He said, if it's not getting fresh streams going into it, everything in it will become stagnant and die. You know, so that yeah. they were all of a view. And we have this, uh, again, I don't know if there'd be a Chinese equivalent, but we have this idea of um, uh, Shu Hari, which is three little characters and Shu Ha and Ri. And it, it means to copy, to diverge, and to transcend. And it's mm. supposed to be the learning process. So initially, That's you walk into a dojo, you don't know anything. So you have right. to copy what the teacher shows you because yep. you then you've not. And then at a certain point, will you go? Well, I'm going to make this my own. I'm going to start diverging yeah. a little bit because my build is different, my likes are different. Uh, and then eventually, what you're doing is your own. It it, it has its roots right. in what your teacher showed you, but it's distinct. So you've transcended. So I, I always just talk just said that same conversation to my students yesterday when we were <laughs> in class. I said the exact. I didn't have those three characters. Yeah. I, I like those. But I, I had the exact same conversation with them yesterday. That's so there funny you brought that up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so, yeah. copy, diverge, trans. And, and, and my thing is that a lot of them that deem themselves traditional are locked into that first one. 
So they go copy, yeah. copy, 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 copy. Well, I thought, well, that's not traditional. You know, and then they also, you know, you were saying about the the guy who, when you've got my laundry for you know six years, I'll then start teaching yeah. you. So, so um, to to limit that, you'll get people who'll go, yeah, but you do each one for twenty years. You copy for twenty years. You diverge. But I, I thought that that's not how it works for me. There are things that are uniquely mine. There are things that I'm still copying. There's still things that I'm making my own. Depending right. on what you're talking about, I'm doing every element of that process. You know, yeah. if someone shows me a technique a week ago, I'm not, a, you know, the transcending. I'm still very much in the, the copying phase. So I, I, I want yeah. that to be at the heart of what I do. I don't want my students' karate to be the right. same as mine. If, if that's the case, no, I I've, don't failed. I've failed as an instructor if that's what happens. We have, that, we have that in common. And that's not something that I always got the luxury of being um, encouraged from, the, from my teachers or coaches. Um, but I think that, the copy, the copy, copy, copy is extremely important um, until you can start to develop your own skills. But we we can never like even if I had bad experiences, any of us have bad ex experiences. They're all part of who we are, mm -hmm. and we can never take full credit. Uh, I could never say that I invented Mantis boxing, and I only do stuff that I invented. That's crazy. I'm a byproduct of every single coach and teacher that I worked with and may not do ex do things exactly the way that they do it. Some stuff I do and other things I don't. And mm. I'm happy to give credit for what I did. Uh, but we can't just say that we're, we're some independent anomaly. Like we're, we just appeared and, and made everything up ourselves. Yeah, no, That's I agree. The, 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 is it um, John of Salisbury's? It, um, if I can see so far, it's because I am a dwarf standing on the shoulders of giants. I always quite yes. like that one, you know what I mean? So it's, it, you, you, right. you're just taking that extra little step in some cases because yeah. of what the prior generations have been kind enough to pass on you, you know? Uh, absolutely. And you make it your own, but it's not your own. You know. I mean? So I have a question that, I, I, that came up. You, you were talking earlier about the kata and you have uh did you say 20 20 of them it's 10 we, we, we ten. do yeah yeah 10 i'm sorry 10 it was 20 years you said that you teach over the 10 kata so i a question for you did do you ever find that 10 i don't know how long they are i know in chinese martial arts that the forms tend to be pretty long um like a lot of them average 30, 30 to 50 moves. Um, so do you ever find that it's, it's still, do you have a tendency in yourself with everything that you've been trying to do um, in the practical side of the house that you were taught, you were speaking to distractions before that having so many kata is a distraction. Did you ever want to pare it down and have less kata? Yeah, well, and I did. Um, um, we jettisoned five. So I was originally okay. yeah, with 15. So I went, okay, five of them are going. The, the, okay. the, the still, if people want to learn them, I, I still know them and walk through them. But the, yeah. way, the, way, the way I do it is because that's um, Funakoshi, father of modern karate. He said, in, he says, in his day, he said, in my day, we studied uh, narrow and deep. Today, they study broad and shallow. So I don't want to be the guy who knows 30 katas but doesn't really do anything with any of them. So I, I right. want that smaller number. Right. So the, the, the way I envision it is like an arch, uh, archery target. So you've mm -hmm. got the ones in the gold in the middle 
for me, would be the Pinan series, which were always supposed to be a set. The five short forms, but they're supposed to work together. So they're really one. And then you've got um, uh, Nahanshi, which is another form. They're our, they're our gold ones. They're the ones we put mm-hmm. the most amount of time and effort into. They're the backbone of what we do. And, and okay. that's the ones the students will do up until their black belt, which typically for us takes about eight years. So, so okay. at, yeah. at black belt, they'll know th- yeah. that those six, and they're all fairly So short. happy to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other ones, um, the, the Pinan series, uh, they – uh, are a modern summation of some of the older ones. So we learn the older ones in order to inform their understanding of the Pinan series, if that makes sense. So they're the next ring out on the target and we kind of move out in that way. So mm-hmm. by the time they hit fourth Dan, um, that's when they will know all the forms we do. And typically that's a 20-year process. Okay. But, 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 but very much there's those core six, five of which okay. are supposed to be used together as a group which are the, 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 the backbone to everything that we do. And the others are there to inform our understanding of that backbone. Interesting. And yeah. did you ever want to add to any of them yourself? The, the you only, no, the, the only thing we've done on that front is um, uh, I'm keen to avoid that style snobbery thing where, where I want my students to realize that there's a lot of good stuff out there. So we have a requirement for fourth down that they have to learn a kata from another karate system and demonstrate full applications from it from beginning to end. Oh. So, 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 so the, the, they've got one extra that they've got to go out and learn. And without exception, we've only had three people reach that level, but all three of them, whenever I said, right, go learn a kata from another system, it's, oh, no. Do I have to? You know, do we not know enough? Why do I have to do this? But without exception, once they've done it and they've, they've always re- – oh, I'm so glad you made me do that. Uh, yeah. Because it enables them to um, – it's not really the looking out thing. It just gives them another perspective on what we already do. So, and, and, yeah. And, yeah, so th- th- that's all it is, just to make them realize the principles are common even if the styles are on the surface a little bit different. Yeah. It's, it's good to experience other things even if you're not going to – necessarily follow through that for a long period of time or you're not going to become good at it just to see well what else is out there especially as a martial artist because we're if we're only ever battling the people in our own pocket in our own school they're doing all the same stuff even if there's variations uh they're not going to throw something that you haven't seen before after you've been there a while you've seen it all i mean you see Mm -hmm. it in uh uh, to go back to the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu thing because it's it's still very um, very much active in far of a uh, arena of of being tested on a global scale mm. where people go out and they they're competing and doing tournaments um, combative tournaments so within their own uh, training halls their own schools their own gyms there's a series of techniques that are taught and learned by the instructor and this. Um, this speaks to, I mean, I went through this as well. Early on when I was teaching BJJ, I taught everything that I could, came across. It's like, well, there's these submissions and there's these sweeps. and Because I didn't have a game. I didn't have uh, my own art. And then as I got further in and, and evolved, I stopped teaching a lot of stuff. Anything that I don't use, I don't teach it. And mm. I recommend that if somebody wants to learn it, Let's say, uh, oh, I want to, I want to do X guard. Um, okay, well, I'll tell you the people that I know that are really good at X guard, and you can go, you can go learn that from them because that's their specialty. 
If you want to learn Daily Riva Guard and Spider Guard and Leg Lasso Guard, I will show you everything as deep as I can go and uh, till the sun comes down. But uh, so narrowing that field um, allows us to go deeper and to share more. But you see uh, when you get to the competitive arena, people are faced like if you only ever train in your school and you never train with people from other schools and then you go compete, you're going to find out that there's a bigger world out there. Yeah, yeah. And there are things that you have never encountered, even within the same martial art, never mind different modalities. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. What'd they just do to me? Oh, I'm choking (laughs) out. Oh, crap. (laughs) Tap. It's great that you do that. I have um, uh, a family uh, member who's also a karate instructor, and he has it as a requirement for first dan. They have to go and study something else for six months. Nice. You know, so it's, yeah, it's a really, you know, so, you know, some of them go and do some judo, BJJ, some of them go box, some of them go do another style of karate, but no, it's a requirement. You know, you have to go out, you have to learn it, you have to come, kind of come back. And, and he does that because he says for two reasons. One is it's good for their development. The second thing he says it's good for the group because invariably yeah. they, they bring back something that, hey, you know, these a new way of doing this or here's something I haven't seen before. So it's, um, yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's a great requirement. And it stops that, as you say, that, that thing of getting locked into you. Well, that's why I say a martial artist first and a karateka second is what I always say. You know, what so does that mean, uh, karateka? It's just um, someone who does karate. So if you do oh, okay. judo, so you're a judoka. Yeah, jujitsu, okay. jujitsuka. Yeah, so it's just can the end means someone who does. So, so, for, but for me, it's um, if someone showed me something from any system, if if I like it, it's common with the objectives. It's it's becoming part of my karate. Yeah. So a friend of mine from Germany, Christian Wiedewart, is a really good karate instructor, and he told me that uh, his instructor told him that he says take what works and call it karate. That that's that's what it is, you know. So. But yeah, I like that. Absolutely (laughs) agree with that. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, looking at other martial arts helped me unlock a lot of the applications in my own style. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's like you, I think you even said earlier and I agree that there's only so many ways to, to throw another human being, to lock their joints, to punch them, to kick them. So there's commonalities and the, the likelihood this, this is something that I don't know if you've come across this in the Japanese arts. Uh, this this will set me off in <laughs> when i hear this and encounter this i i i really lose all respect for somebody when they're saying <laughs> I, I i'll be completely honest with that uh, in the chinese martial arts sometimes you get you encounter this fantasy is the best way to put it and I'll use mantis boxing. So I'll, I'll keep it there. Let's say that I do mantis boxing and I've never fought with it. I've never learned any application. And then I develop this belief structure in my head that it's different from any other martial art that's ever existed in the world in the history of humankind. I don't know how it works. <laughs> but I know that it's not that Brazilian jiu-jitsu crap that I see you doing over there, uh, right? And it's that that's, that mentality is so backwards. It's like how humans are, we're bipeds, we have uh, two arms, we have two legs, a head, 
there are only so many solutions. It doesn't mean that, and I think that this is, this is something I try to impress upon my students. It's like fighting is chaos. The study of martial arts is organizing chaos. Love it. <laughs> and all we do in our journey in martial arts is organize something that we have no control over so that we learn enough of the possibilities of what can happen that we can kind of come up with the most likely solution and we can realize that, okay, if I put my hand here, I know that they can do this, 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 and this. I don't know which one they're going to pick. So it's mm. still chaos. It's still yeah. random. But I know that I got those four things covered. Yeah. So I'm good. I can, I can put my hand here. And that organization of chaos, that process, is not unique to any martial art. And it's not – you. sure, you can go when you, when you specify a modality, when you say, I'm only going to do wrestling. Well, there's no striking. There's no kicking. Um, there's no chokes and there's no being on your back. Being on your back is bad. Okay. But then you go to BJJ. It's like being on our back is like, Oh, all right. <laughs> Christmas. King yeah. of the hot pile. Now. <laughs> and I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. I can this, 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 and this. Um, but as outside of being trapped into a modality where they don't allow, and I would say more of a sport mm. where they don't allow for other things. If you have a cross-pollination, a crossover, a comparison of, okay, well, there's a punch in boxing, and there's a punch in karate, and there's a punch in uh, Chinese boxing, well, there's only so many punches and only so many ways to punches, so there's going to be similarities, yeah. and it drives, it just infuriates me when I see an argument that somehow a mysterious martial art that you can't explain, but you know that it doesn't that uh, that's not it that's just ridiculous yeah i, I, don't I would agree not... I, I i i i share your um exasperation at, at those who um <laughs> uh, who take that view I, I, I always make the joke it's like because people have been fighting since tribe a bumped into tribe b right you know so the, the, there's 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 new things that are developed within you say within those modalities as you put it you know but but in terms of like the you know the, the Locking is not new. Choking is not new. Punching, kicking, none of it's new. Um, and it's not like you say, you know, the, the first tribe bumps in. We've worked out if you make your hand into a fist and bounce it in people's skulls, it hurts. Or right, we've worked out right. this bends. Do you want to trade? You know, yeah. It's it's you know, it, it's just it's just not the way it works. And the the, the other problem we have though is because because you'll now get so all systems start off being fairly holistic by necessity. That they, yes. they all need, you know, so, and then, but over time, so if we use boxing as the example, so uh, if you look at the old boxing manuals, they had uh, weapons, throws, yep. um, basic ground fighting even, you know what I mean? And so no uh, kicking. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. This, this, is a, this is an interesting story. So the first, um, the first ever champion of England was a guy called James Figg, uh, who oh. fought a gentleman called uh, Ned Sutton. And that fight was uh, recorded by the Times newspaper. Um, the prime minister of the day was there to watch this fight. It was a big deal, right? So for the championship of England. Uh, the first rounds were with swords. First one to draw blood. Uh, Fig accidentally cut himself, but that didn't count. But then he eventually cut Sutton and won. Uh, on the second rounds was with sticks. 
Um, uh, Fig won that one again by hitting him in the knee. They then stopped for half an hour, had some beers, and then the fist fighting began, which is what everyone really cared about, right? This is friggin' awesome. Yeah, yeah, this is bo- bo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. all boxing. All boxing. So a fig. Um, so Sutton threw fig. Um, so again, throw threw him over his hip, uh, and as he landed on the ground, he dropped his knee into his chest. So um, it took him, uh, I think, about 30 minutes to recover. But so long as you could fight on, that was fine. So eventually he fights on. And, and then the re- newspaper report said that uh, Fig then threw something to the ground and pinned him on the floor until he submitted. So this is the first ever boxing champion of boxing of England. It's one with a sword cut, a blow from a stick, a throw, and a, a ground fighting submission. <laughs> <laughs> and this is I'm boxing. stealing that story. That's awesome. <laughs> that was also the uh, coincidentally the last name of my grandfather is Sutton. So oh well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I, yeah, he was. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, fig figs the. Actually, I don't know if you can see um, very well, but if you can see that picture right there, that's um, a photograph one of my students did of my grandfather's boxing gloves. Oh wow! <laughs> the nineteen. 19- 30s and in the u.s he was a golden glove boxer and i still have some of his original gloves but i didn't want them they deteriorating yeah yeah, yeah. so i asked him to take a picture to uh preserve them oh that's so cool yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. uh that's cool yeah, so it might, be, it might be a family connection there <laughs> yeah i'm gonna look i'm gonna see <laughs> So, so it's an awesome story. Yeah, it is. I'm going to tell that because that was about the same time period that um, it was just before karate went underwent its modernization. So I always compare boxing with karate as having done very similar things. So, um, so then, um, of course, as we now know, boxing are the premier punches. I think it'd be fair to say that no one punches as well as boxers, but it's all they do. They, they don't they don't throw they don't kick they don't use the weapons anymore there's no groundwork in boxing anymore um so so what happens is you have this holistic art that narrows its focus and but the benefit of narrowing its focus it gets much better at what it does and therefore boxing becomes associated with that skill so so now if, if i throw a punch um, and my heels up and i've got a guard up i have had people go but that's boxing so right. no i was taught that punch in my very first karate class 30 plus years ago you know, if, if I do a throw, especially when I've got a gi on, people will go, oh, well, that's judo. Right. Well, no, no, the throw is found in judo, but yeah. it's also found in, in karate too. So you get this thing of where you get this ownership of methods. Yeah, and oh. I think it is fair to say certain arts excel in certain methods. Taekwondo are the premier your kickers. Brazilian jiu-jitsu are definitely the best ground fighters. You can argue about who's the best throwers, judo or wrestlers. You know, you know there's, there's definitely those, those specialities. But but nothing's new, you know. Just every no, art. I, I have that same thing happen on a lot of videos I've done of uh, applications in Mantis boxing, and they're not unique to Mantis. The Chinese boxing styles have commonalities with movements, and there'll be a throw or something, and then somebody will leave a comment invariably underneath and just say, either they'll, <laughs> either they'll say that's this from judo. Yeah. Or they go so far as to say, that's not Mantis, that's this style. And then yeah. I have to go through and find video footage of <laughs> uh, it being used. What I, my favorite is um, one guy said something about what I was teaching wasn't Mantis. It was from, uh, I think, wrestling or something like that. I don't know what he I don't know the style he said. But I actually had a video of 
people doing Mongolian wrestling. I don't know if you ever watched videos of this, but uh, it's it's awesome. They still do it till today, and a lot of the northern Chinese boxing arts have heavily influenced from uh, the folk wrestling uh, called Bok mm. that was in the north. And uh, so they still practice this today. And I had the exact throw from <laughs> Mongolian wrestling. And I was like, hmm, that was on the other side of the world. Developed thousands of years before Greco-Roman wrestling. So yeah. who started what? Um, <laughs> it's, it's just funny. We get caught in these, uh, these arguments. And I don't mean to be um, pedantic, but sometimes people are so rude that you just, it's like, no, look, here, present the facts. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stop being so myopic or short-sighted. It's like there's too many commonalities. No, up and uh, up, absolutely. And, and then you'll even get people theorizing, well, how did that judo throw find its way into karate? Or, you know, and they invented it independently. And which culture didn't invent the bow and arrow? They all did. Yeah. Everyone worked out that's a good way to fire a projectile over a long distance. It's not like the Steve Jobs of his day invented the bow and arrow and then went on a world tour to sell it to right. everybody. You know, right. they all, so you get the same thing. I mean, in my part of the world, we have Cumberland and Westmoreland wrestling, our own native wrestling, which my father practiced. It was arguably the first thing I was ever taught was my father taught me the basics of the wrestling that he'd been taught as a, as a kid. And whether this is true or not, I don't know. It's probably another myth. But the argument is it was bought here by the Vikings. There was a lot of Viking settlers in this part of the world. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but it's a cool story. But if we just run with it. So the first, <laughs> thro first throw my dad told, uh, throw, showed me was um, a hip throw. You know, basically just yeah. taking them over the hip. So you'll find that hip throw in Japan too. So I would always argue, well, which samurai traveled all the way up to teach it to the Vikings? which time traveling samurai did that or which viking lived to be 800 years old to visit japan and teach it to them well none just independently they all discovered right. the same thing but, but saying about that youtube comment reminded me of a story i am um, there's a video online where i show some basic karate gripping very very basic yes. and this guy wrote to me saying um i'm happy with everything that you're showing there but that's not karate it's purely wrestling and you need to be honest yes. about what it is you're showing Yes. So I went, no, 100%, everything in there is found in wrestling, and wrestlers will do it at a way higher level than any karateka ever will. But you will find that stuff within karate too in a fundamental way. And right. he wrote, but no, you're just trying to make money from people. You're just being dishonest. So in the end, I thought, I'm just going to find a picture. So I went to my desk. I got a picture of Funakoshi using the same grip for a throw uh, from a 1920s book. So I took a photograph of it with my phone and email and said, look, these Funakoshi from the 1920s using that grip for that throw. And he just wrote back, right. fair, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I'll take that as a win. <laughs> At least I got a response. I didn't get a, I didn't get a thank you or, or even an acknowledgement off yeah. of mine. But, but I've had that, you know, like I've had, uh, no, that's, that's, um, that's Kali, that's Wing Chun, that's Judo, that's boxing, that's, you know, and, and it's like, uh, yes, it's all of those things, but it's also right. karate too, you know. Um, yeah, and it, it's, it's funny because years ago, there was, before I had done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, there was a guy that was on this uh, Mantis forum <clears throat> where the people from all over the world could communicate and uh, that did Mantis boxing and he was taking up Brazilian jiu-jitsu and he was saying so in, in Mantis there's often and I don't think this was uh, 
long in the history of Mantis. I think it's really within the last probably 100 years at best, maybe 120. Um, but we have these 12 keywords. And the first keyword is hook, and then it's um, clinch and pluck. And they vary from teacher to teacher. Mm. The first few are usually the same, but kind of like the, the the precepts that you talked about earlier mm. with karate, um, the ones that you had translated. Mm. And uh, so these keywords get passed down and he was making a statement how a lot of the 12 keywords uh, um, or some of them apply in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he was uh, raked over the coals for those comments. And even I didn't believe it, but I didn't have any experience in Brazilian jiu-jitsu to say one way or another. I was really just copying the coach that I was working with at the time that shook his head and was like, no, that's not true. And <laughs> Um, and one of the things that made my Mantis better was doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. And I learned more about Mantis than I had ever learned or about grappling period, whether it's on the ground or standing up, I learned more about grappling than I ever would have just staying in the Mantis bubble or the stand up mm -hmm. bubble. And, and now I would tell you almost every single keyword applies on the ground in bjj <laughs> as much as it does standing up in mantis boxing mm. it's like mm. they mm. they just work especially mm. when you get into nogi uh jujitsu yeah it's fascinating as i say yeah there's only so many ways in which people can do things there's differences that matter as well of course i always think this is the other um trap i think that people can fall into so um so, for example, right, if it is, uh, I'll show um, a throw that existed in, in karate. And then, so you'll get the karateka who will then dismiss judo as something that their art already covers. You know, so they'll go, oh, yeah, we do throws. So, therefore, judo has nothing to show us. You know, they, they run to the other extreme. Yeah. You know, and, and I always think it's reminding people of uh, um, the level to which they do things, I think, is, is important as well. Mm. So, you know, so we're like, for example, you know, karate has kicks in it, but they're not as like taekwondo's kicks and it, it, it has fundamental grappling in it, but it doesn't make you a wrestler. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's always been, been, uh, knowledgeable, um, of the level. And, and then the lovely thing as well, um, just running with that thought about the fact that my karate has been a more holistic thing is I can have conversations with practitioners of other systems and, and exactly. I, I have enough to get us started it's that not been a beginner in anything thing right you know, so so yeah i i, I can i can talk to a, a wrestler and i've, I've got an i can talk the, the basic language of a wrestler which will enable me to then take the things from wrestling back into the system as I right. i've got things to hook it onto as well so there's a lot of value in cross training well i think and i wanted to add on to something that you asked me about um teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Mantis separately. And uh, I was explaining something and I, a part that I left out and that, or at least that I'd like to highlight is uh, one of my, re the reluctancy to change the way that I teach BJJ and kind of blend it and, and have it uh, more in line when I do that class with, with Mantis is exactly what you're saying is when you isolate Jiu-Jitsu on the ground and you take away the striking you take away the elbows the knees the kicking you take it to a level that you will never hit when you add that stuff back in 100 percent, yeah 
And so, yeah, is it, is it remiss? But like, if I were not teaching that at all in any of my classes, then I would be remiss. I would be at fault. I would be oh, negligent. <laughs> so <laughs> later out. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah, I'm still here, everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's he's gone to ninjutsu. He just changed styles. <laughs> Brace yourself, everyone. Um, but that's that's my reluctance to uh, to get away from it altogether because um, there's a benefit to to allowing people to work into that framework and that bubble because especially being smaller, I see the value of, um, I like to put it this way with, with, especially with BJJ, but it, it applies for stand up as well. And, um, you can get to a, like a, an intermediate proficiency and mm. you can probably at an intermediate proficiency handle yourself in BJJ. It's a blue belt. Uh, you could handle yourself in 95 to 98% of any altercation you would get into with an untrained individual, mm. unless they're a lot bigger and stronger than you. Mm. And then the holdback of being only an intermediate is that you can't flow from one thing to another when something fails. Mm. And that's the advanced practitioner is the ability to adapt, the ability to say, oh, my arm bar didn't work or, oh, my mount escape didn't work when somebody was sitting on top of me. So now what do I do? Um, and it's being able to, to have a, a technique fail and to connect to a new technique and adapt to a new pathway to achieve success. And the only way you get that with jujitsu is by isolating because mm. the minute you say, okay, if somebody's on top of you, cause from a self-defense perspective, it's pretty easy. If I like one, I don't know how much you know about jujitsu, but, um, assuming just assuming it may be incorrectly on my own. If you knew nothing, if somebody's sitting on your chest, you have a move that's a trap and roll, you trap the arm, mm -hmm. you bridge up and you, you roll them over. Uh, that's wonderful. Except when they weigh 300 pounds, <laughs> And they don't want to move or uh, maybe they're in your same weight class, but they are a uh, black belt and you're a blue belt and they know exactly every move that you're going to do and why you're going to do it. And they just shut it down. So the easy uh, solution would be from a self-defense perspective is to say, uh, just gouge them in the eyes and then they'll release their weight, which is really what you need. And then you can effectively roll them off of you with the same mechanic. But you have to do something before that to get them to, to kind of release their base. Mm. That would be easy. But what if you can't strike? What if your hands are broken? What if, you know, there's, there's too many what ifs in self-defense that that isolation is so beneficial at times to say, no, you're not allowed to hit them and you have your mount escapes going to fail. So now what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, and now it forces you to use another type of mount escape, like what we call elbow escape or hip escape. And you learn that adaptation and that instead of just relying on a, something else that may not be there. I don't know. It's just, I don't know if you, you agree with that or. No, no, that, no, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me. I definitely agree with this idea of that once you, um, you isolate the skill, you definitely get to a far higher level in that skill. And yeah. we, we try and do that in our um, in our sparring. We regularly do it. 
So we'll have sparring where you may only grapple now. You may only strike now. One of you may strike, one of you may not. So you, you take away their, um, what may be the student's preferred way of doing things. Right. And you force them to develop the, the, the other skills to the, the degree that they can, you see. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's really awesome. important to do that. And it, it takes us back to what we're saying, this over-reliance sometimes where um, – even beyond that, where people think that, that, like the dirt, as I call it, you know, the biting and the poking, that that's a substitute for skill. Well, it just is not. You know what I mean? It, it, it can help, but it's not a substitute for the skill. So you need to take that stuff out. I call this the rules paradox, right? So if you look at, like, um, uh, like a lot of traditional jujitsu will do throws in such a way the guy lands on his neck. Yeah. And, and then you go, well, do you practice that throw? They go, oh, no, because the guy would land on his neck. Right. right. Okay. So meanwhile, in the judo club, they've adapted their throw. So the guy survives when he gets, you know, he, he lands on his back and he's okay. Yep. Um, but I have no doubt who's going to be the better thrower. It will be the guy who has a practice, the allegedly ineffective throw will be a far more effective thrower than the guy who's kept his throw deadly, but right. has never practiced it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that there's, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for let's take out some things as well, because it forces you to develop a higher level of um, uh, of, of skill by making yeah. things safer. So you take out the biting, the gouging, sometimes the striking, sometimes the gripping, depending on what objective. You, you take out those various things, and, and it forces people then to develop to a um, you know a higher level of, of, of skill because they can practice in a live way that's safe. Right, right, and well, that's cool. I I like uh, I don't know. You you have very similar. Uh, way of looking at this as i do and it's it's um it's interesting to talk to you because it's we got two different martial arts but we came to the same conclusions on a lot of stuff and even the training methods um, yeah i had a feeling i was going to enjoy this conversation um but i, I i've enjoyed it even more than i thought i would it's always <laughs> nice to meet the kindred spirit randy that's what it is yes it may, i'm not alone in the world <laughs> yes i know i know that's nice right it's uh it can be too much of a good thing if we if we refuse to then look at anybody else's opinion. But uh, <laughs> it's nice. nice but but I, think, that I think that's the thing for me is which is why I think like I know for my um, audience um, why they'll enjoy watching this and listening to it is um, it, it's a it's a it's it's really interesting to um, to see those shared experiences and ideas mm. whether developed independently. You know, yes. so so we, we haven't, it's not, this isn't like, you know, like, so I have friends that I've trained with and we come to very similar conclusions, but right. you do a different art. You live in a different part of the world. Your art comes from a different part of the world. And yet we've had remarkably similar ex experiences and have addressed right. them in similar ways. So it, it kind of validates that experience a little bit, I think, which, which I, I think that people find that yeah. interesting. And I it validates the whole idea that we were talking about a minute ago of how different martial arts from totally different places can develop the same end result. <laughs> it only validates that further. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of parallels there that I think people will enjoy and, and it gives a level of depth that you, you wouldn't get if, if you were another karate practitioner because people no. go, yeah, well I've heard this story before and it's a common story. <laughs> 
which is why um, yeah, I've, I've, I'm so glad that we agreed to do this. Now, yeah. and, and just before we do come, I just want to make people know yeah. that I thought we were doing it audio, <laughs> and, and you thought. We were doing it. So this is I, I am normally like I'm not the most organised guy in the world, but as I sit here in the complete darkness, <laughs> in a room with no light, haven't used my phone for light for half an hour. <laughs> it's because yes. I thought we'd be okay. Yeah, so um, it's because my dog's downstairs. You see, and he can. Bark, so he is nice and quiet. The unfortunate oh, yeah. thing is, I know, mine's the light fitting, and I have a light fitting in. So, what kind but this of dog do you have? I've really enjoyed it. What kind of dog do you have? Oh, just a little papillon, little tiny dog. I got it when my kids were young. So, yeah, I always say to people, if you, um, the original Gremlins movie, the, the Maguire thing, yeah. if you imagine yep. if that bred with a dog, that's what it looks like. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's massive cool. ears, yeah. really, really cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Old though, nice. 14, 15 years old now. So, he, he oh wow, barks at everything because you know because yeah. Uh, so it's not ideal for recording podcasts too, but he's nice and quiet downstairs. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally slight, marginally more organized than this. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. It's it's my fault. I surprised you on that. We were uh, we were uh, on different pages on how we were going to do the format. Yeah, well, I, should, I, should, I should. Yeah, I should have thought to ask. But this has been um, uh, great. And that's, you yeah. know, two hours and it doesn't seem like that at all. You know what I mean? No, so, I know. You know, I, know. I, hope, I hope the listeners and viewers have the same shared experience of time passing quickly. That's been, I, been brilliant. I think they will. I think it was a pretty lively conversation and I, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was any dead spots in it. So. No, we covered a lot of ground too. And it, yeah. it seems like a lot of our, uh, we share a lot of the same um hobby horses and enjoy the same rants too so <laughs> yes yes that's true that's true yeah, yeah this has been know. great fun yes i I've, i think we talked for an hour and then i thought i've got other things and i i genuinely thought this is a two hours now but i'm, I'm kind of enjoying it <laughs> <laughs> so the other things can wait and if the listeners don't enjoy it they're tough i'm enjoying it they can watch it yeah. in halves <laughs> the only thing that's not wanting to wait is my bladder <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll let you get uh, back to it, but this is uh, this has been awesome. I've really, really enjoyed it. So thank you very much. I'm so Ian. glad we decided to do this. It's been really good. Okay, thank Randy, you. I'll enjoy the rest of your your day, and I'll you speak too. to you soon. Take care, my okay, friend. Take bye, care. bye, bye, bye. So that brings us to the end of my conversation with uh, Randy Brown. I, I thoroughly enjoy talking to, to Randy. It's really nice. This is the first time we've spoke, but uh, there's definitely a, a connection there, a kindred spirit, someone who shares my views about uh, the traditional martial arts, even though we're looking at different arts. I think our outlook is incredibly similar, and it was really uh, great to talk to him. Um, so we'll we'll definitely be doing more of that because I'm sure you found Randy's uh, information and insights as fascinating as I did. So thank you to, for listening to this conversation. Uh, thank you for your support of these podcasts, and I'll be back with more very soon. <laughs>